It's a privilege to be here with you once again, brethren, to worship God in service to Him, to better ourselves and edify one another, to help each other be faithful, reach heaven in a condition that we can be there and be accepted in. That's our goal, and it's good to be with people each and every time we're together with that same unified purpose. If I just, I guess I can just say 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 5 through 11, that's what we talked about in class, maybe up to verse 10. That's enough for today, actually. <laughs> but uh, we'll go ahead and, and I'll give you a bit more. I think we've all seen the advancement of evil in our own country, in our lifetimes, those that are old enough to know and remember and see and understand the fact that, that even now terrorism is growing in the Middle East, people that wish us harm. Um, China, with their, their enslaving of their own people, the genocide of the Uyghurs, our own, our own nation where wickedness is exalted as good, goodness is, is abased as wickedness, and we can see through our own eyes and our own understanding of God's Word that Satan is loose, that he's at work, and that he is, like 1 Peter 5, 8 says, walking about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour us spiritually and cause us to be lost. That's his goal in the rest of, of how time is going forward. Then there's the ever-changing definition of right versus wrong that we talk about all the time with our own government, the laws of men that, that, that swoop in and, and try to change God's word. In other words, they want to make good evil and evil good. They want to pass laws of man and expect us as Christians or everyone, they expect everyone to obey those laws of men and just blindly follow what they say. We don't try to beat people up when we say those things, but the fact of the matter is, we talked about Matthew 12, 30, um, that if we're not with Christ, we're against Him. And so there is no middle ground. And in any religion or any government or any people that teach or say anything contrary to the, to the law of God, the New Testament law we live under, is wrong and therefore an enemy of Christ. We live our lives each and every day, or should, according to Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of or by the authority of Jesus Christ. Everything we say, everything we do, everything we teach is to be by His authority religiously and morally. That is the narrow way that leads to life. Matthew seven fourteen, and few there be that find it. We hope to be in those few. Just like the song we sang, we hope to be... When, when the dead in Christ rise first, we want to be part of that crowd. We want to be the ones rising up to meet the Lord in the air. And it says to forever be with the Lord in His care, in His keeping, in His love, in His light, in salvation. And that's our goal for today is to remind ourselves of the glorious benefits that we have both physically and spiritually as well. They come from God to His people Acts 11.26, as the Bible there, God's word for us, disciples of Christ, Christians. Who is a Christian, therefore? We talk about the plan of salvation all the time, the fact that we have to hear the word and believe it, Romans 10.17. Come to faith in that word. We have to believe in God that gave that word and believe that He is Lord, Hebrews 11.6. We have to be willing to repent of our sins, change our minds and our attitudes and our future actions. Repentance, Acts 17.30. We have to be willing to confess before people, before men, 
that Christ is Lord, that He is who He claims to be. And as we talked about in class, 1 Peter 3.21, to be buried in the waters of baptism into His death, rising up, washed, cleansed from our sins. That's who is a Christian. When we, when we talk about Christians, those are the people that we address as people that have followed that command and that guideline that's in the New Testament. We were all baptized into one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. As we talked about in class Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, the body is the church. The body of Christ is the church of Christ. There's only one, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the Savior of the body, of which there is only one. Galatians 3.27, as, as we uh, read often, we are baptized into Christ and we put on Christ. We join into that spiritual relationship with God when we follow His commands. And thereafter, as, as we live now today, all that are Christians, Ephesians 1.3, the spiritual blessings that are in Christ and only in Christ. In other words, people who have followed those commands, the conditions of God for our immediate salvation of our past sins, and Matthew 6.33, people that put Him first in their lives, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The benefits physically in this life as well as all of our spiritual blessings. If you will, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. The title of our lesson today is Unspeakable Joy. And we'll point out a few things. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says, That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. <clears throat> joy unspeakable. Joy is exuberant joy, exuberant gladness, happiness to the utmost degree as you can imagine. Unspeakable is things that can't be uttered. You don't even have the words to describe how happy you are to be in that position, to be forgiven of our sins. That's what unspeakable joy is, and that's something that we as Christians should carry with us all the time because we understand that God has forgiven us of our past sins. And we understand the promise of heaven to come when the, this life is over and the judgment finally does come whenever it does. What I'd like to do this morning is point out and discuss just a few of these things, the reasons that Christians should have unspeakable joy each and every day in our lives. And we don't have to walk around you know, laughing all the time, but we recall that joy when we need it in troubling times because they're going to come, in trials of life because they're going to face us. We need that joy in our lives and in our hearts to, to call on that God can help us. First Christians should have unspeakable joy because when we all came up out of those waters of baptism, we received forgiveness of our sins. Acts twenty two sixteen that we talked about earlier that Ananias told Paul, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Please turn to Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, we encourage everyone to follow along. We have a few verses to look at, but uh, I'll try not to go too fast. Romans 5, 8 and 9. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
much more then being now justified or pronounced right by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Salvation is through Christ. It's through his blood. Now look at Hebrews chapter 9. We'll read verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 9. Just to make this particular point. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. The only way we can have remission of our sins, wiped away, washed away by God, is through blood. The only blood sacrifice that could provide that for us was Christ. He's done that for us, and that's where we live today. And as we said, Acts 22.16, 1 Peter 3.21, that we were studying in class, when we go down into the waters of baptism, into his death, at that point we rise a new creature. Our sins are washed away forever. We start life as a Christian, and we do the best we can to meet our death whenever it comes, ready for the Lord's return. That's our goal. Please turn to Acts chapter 13. In this chapter, we've been studying in our Wednesday night class, and we appreciate Glenn very much for heading that class up, but back in Acts 13, Paul's in Antioch preaching Jesus to all that are there at the time. Verse 16 identifies that it's both Jews and Gentiles. But in verse 38 of Acts 13, it says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, talking to all that was there, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Christ said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through him that we can touch and have forgiveness of our sins and enter into that spiritual relationship with God where all blessings lie. The believers here in this chapter are those that actually love the Lord enough to do what he said. Remember John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what God expects of us. If we believe, then we have to believe forward and obey. Belief and obedience always comes together. Hebrews 5, 9, the Bible says Christ, in context there, is the author of eternal salvation for all who will believe Him. No, all who will obey Him. That's the condition that we live under as Christians. If you will, turn to Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. When we talk about the few of the world of humanity that obeys God in their everyday lives as Christians and tries to live according to His law, we need to be in that few. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God, that free gift of salvation of Christ, that bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's where we live, brethren, in this present world. That's how we are to live. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the resurrection that we sang about right before the lesson, who gave himself for us willingly, that he might redeem or purchase up us from all iniquity, lawlessness, the sins that we commit, that we are forgiven of and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. Once we learn the truth and obey it, then the, the necessary 
attitude would be, I want to learn more. I want to do better. I want to even do greater things and serve better, serve more in whatever capacity I can. Is there a greater cause for us to harbor unspeakable joy in our hearts when we need to, when we need to think about it? Is our own salvation and the forgiveness of our own sins? Everybody could have that. We have it as Christians, but most of the world doesn't have that. That's a sad thought, brethren. David was a man after God's own heart in the Old Testament. He was a great king. He was a great servant of God. He had great wealth. He had great power. People reported to him continuously. But he also had great sin, didn't he? Murder. David's attitude toward sin, of his own sins, and God's willingness to forgive are evident in the book of Psalms in verse 32, listed as a psalm of David. But if you will, look at Psalm 32 for just a moment. Verses 1 through 5. David's attitude toward his own sin and God's willingness to forgive him. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned to the drought of summer. Acknowledge, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity or lawlessness have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. That's what he does for us under the New Testament law of Christ as well. Joy for him in his time because he could have the forgiveness of sins under the law he lived. Joy for us in our time that we can have forgiveness under our law, the New Testament law of Christ. Secondly, though, moving on, Christians should have unspeakable joy because we have been freed from the power of sin. Believe it or not, Satan does have power, not power of miraculous events, but Satan can tempt us. He's allowed to tempt us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Things that we come in contact with and live with daily. Part of our own makeup and our desires. That's what sin can do is separate us from God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. Our iniquities separate us from God. That's what happens when we commit sin. We're immediately separated from God. If we're separated from God, who do we become closer to then at that point in time? It's Satan. Satan has got a little bit of a hold on us, doesn't he? When we commit sin, he's laughing, he's gleeful. When we repent and obey the gospel, he's sorry that we did. And he's hungry for our souls. Sin enslaves our souls. Romans 6 and verse 17. The effects of sin. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, the gospel, you were servants of sin. How is that possible? John 8, 34 goes on to say, The Lord there speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. The transgression of the law. The servant of sin. We, we sin. We are immediately in need of forgiveness. That salvation of our souls. Sin, as we study often in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin ultimately is death if we never correct it. 
if we never make amends for it, if we never come to God and do what we need to do to be right with Him. If we refuse that, then we have chosen Satan. That's the bottom line. There has never been more cruel master than Satan, if you think about it. He's the father of all lies, John 8, 44. He's the great deceiver. He, he acts like a, a, an, an angel of light in his appearance to us, trying to trick us. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, He even walks about in terms we can understand like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour us spiritually. He wants us to lose control, lose our faith, lose our souls ultimately. A servant's will is totally consumed by the master. Whatever the master wants, the servant complies. We are either servants of sin and Satan, and we're, we're obliging to a, a cruel, hateful master that wishes us to be lost, or we're serving God as Christians with hope as we live of that promise of heaven that's to come. Through Christ, we can overcome the world. A wonderful thought to remind ourselves of unspeakable joy that we can have because we had salvation of our sins and that we've now been freed from the power of sin. But as Christians, we should also enjoy, un, enjoy unspeakable joy because we have been delivered from fear. Fear can destroy us, brethren. We all have fears in this life. I mean, everybody's afraid of something, and that's, that's not a sinful thing to be scared of heights or afraid of spiders or snakes or of great injury and great sickness and ultimately of our own death, our own demise. We, we fear the time, the unknown time, when we will meet death, when He will come for us, how we will die, what will be the, the situation, and will I suffer? I don't know. But we fear things like that. But being forgiven of our sins, our sins washed away, and the unspeakable joy that it can cause in a Christian, that we are free from the power of sin, we can overcome fear. There is fear that condemns. Look at Revelation 21 and verse 8. Some fear can condemn our souls. Verse 8 of Revelation 21, But the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, Murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Fear, fear to act, fear to obey God, fear to accept Christ as our Savior, fear to acknowledge the sacrifice that He made for us, the huge sacrifice of going to the cross for me and for you. We can overcome this fear even though Fear may come to us in many different forms. Fear itself we overcome through obedience to the gospel, don't we? Because then we live with joy. We live with hope. We don't have to fear death anymore, do we? We may have fear of death, fear of the unknown, but we don't have to fear what comes next if we live faithful to God. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain if it's in the Lord. As long as we remain in Christ, in His love, in His blessings, receiving the spiritual and physical blessings that He gives us, 
we can overcome that fear. And we can try to teach others and overcome the fear to speak to others. The fear to obey God's providential care of His children as well as the spiritual blessings He gives us in Christ should free us from that kind of fear and give us unspeakable joy when we need to recall it and call upon it. We'll always fear something, I think. Everybody's afraid of something, but fear itself is defeated in the salvation of our souls, freed from the power of sin, frees us from that fear. Lastly, for our lesson this evening or this morning, it won't be this evening when I finish, I promise. What a wonderful blessing to be forgiven from our sins and free from the power of sin, to be free from that fear that destroys souls and to be called the children of God. John chapter 1, if you will. John chapter 1 and verse 11. He came into His own, His own received Him not. He came into His, sorry, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power or the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Christ was on the earth. He was handled by the people around Him. He brought salvation, accepting Him, obeying Him in the gospel, allows us and gives us the right to be called children of God. Receiving Him, obeying Him, Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 5, if you will, just for a moment, concerning the promise of heaven, versus the promise of hell. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's where all spiritual blessings are, brethren. They are only in Christ. How do we get into Christ? We're baptized into Him. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. We can be holy and without blame before God through Christ. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. God's will is that every human being is saved and comes to a knowledge of the truth. That's what He wants for us. At the same time, He tells us most people refuse Him, refuse His Word, refuse that sacrifice, and neglect the salvation provided by Jesus. Turn to 1 Peter 1, verses we have just been studying recently in our Sunday class. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Good way to remember that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's what waits for us, brethren. If we live our lives according to Christ and His law, to take advantage of His sacrifice, to accept it, accept Him, Accept His law, live by it, love it, and love Him for it. 
Turn to Romans 8, 17. If we can do those things, becoming Christians also gives us the blessing, as we said, of being the children of God. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. We will suffer as Christians in, in some form of persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us that. Anybody that dares to live godly in this present world will suffer persecution. It's going to come. Trials of life are going to come to us. Disasters are going to come to us. Bad news is going to come to us. How we react to those things is critical. We can react to them as Christians and we can recall that unspeakable joy that we should have through our salvation, through being freed from the power of sin, overcoming fear itself, being called God's children by the Creator of this universe. Unspeakable joy that we should be able to recall in our own hearts and our own minds as needed to face those trials of life because they won't be easy. Death is never easy. It affects all of us. Every family, every single one of us will have to face it. Hebrews 9.27 How we face it, how we prepare ourselves now is the critical thing. Sadly though, as we pointed out, most of humanity neglects that salvation. Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Well, the answer is there is no escape. Matthew 7.13, the most of humanity, versus Matthew 7.13.14, the broad way that leads to destruction, that's so easy to find, we don't have to do anything. We can be on that road and do nothing the rest of our lives. It's that easy to find. The narrow way that leads to life requires obedience to Christ. Live according to His law. Look at the judgment scene in Matthew chapter 25. This judgment scene is, it gives a lot of detail to us about what's going to happen and be said, something said, on the day of judgment. But verse 41, after he pronounces, he says, Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where Satan wants us to be on the day of judgment. That's where his hope is for us. Verse 46, These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Why would anyone ever want to choose an eternity of punishment with Satan to be where he and his angels are? What unspeakable joy we should have as a child of God and to be called a child of God that we can have that privilege and that blessing. People that ignore Him, ignore His law, they, they never seek Him, they never live their lives according to any rule or standard, maybe religiously, they never seek Him. They don't ever have any hope in their lives. And that's a sad thought. How can we, having tasted of God's grace as Christians, tasted of His truth, tasted of salvation coming up out of the waters of baptism, ever turn our backs on Him and fall back into the world. It happens all the time. 
Satan is very tricky. He's got many, many guises that he attacks us with and tries to trip us up with. He wants us to return to a life of sin and hopelessness. We should all every day remind ourselves of the unspeakable joy comes from service to God and true service to God. Not just half-hearted service, but actual service. To use our talents the best that we can, Matthew chapter 25, I believe about verse 14 through 30 there, the, the parable of the talents, the one talented man, the five talented man, the ten talented man, the one talented man lost his soul because he was fearful, fear to serve, fear to act, fear to be the true child of his master. Please turn to Romans chapter 8. And then we'll bring it to a close pretty quick. Romans chapter 8, back to verse 14 this time. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And then that's where it says the Spirit itself witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Are you a child of God today? Are you free from fear itself? Fear of that actual thing called death where our soul separates from our body? Are you a Christian today? If you're a Christian, are you a faithful Christian today? Judge yourself according to the law. We judge ourselves each and every day and then we judge each other by that. Have you come hearing and believing His Word? Repenting of your sins? Confessing Him before men? being baptized into those waters of baptism, to rise that new creature, to face life anew with unspeakable joy? Or are you a Christian that's fallen away that needs to repent and pray? Acts 8.22 is Simon the sorcerer was told to do after he sinned after becoming a Christian. If there's anyone here today that needs to respond to the Lord's invitation, please come now while together we stand and as we sing.